0: Welcome back to The Andrew Curtis Show, and I am convinced that I could not be alive at any other time in history. Uh, Jumping online and getting the opportunity to access a wealth of information, have you ever thought that if you lived in, say, 1600, you might read one newspaper's worth of information in your whole lifetime? Uh, I don't know if I could function like that. Um, and so often my journeys of finding you and interesting stuff takes me online, as you do, uh, takes me to YouTube. And very recently, I discovered a YouTube channel that just kind of caught caught my eye and thought, oh, that looks really interesting. Started watching and couldn't stop. Literally five or six uh, episodes in, I thought, this is amazing. Um, not just because of the content, because of, but because of the story of the person behind the channel. And so I reached out and uh, he very graciously agreed to appear on the show. And so uh, welcome to The Andrew Curtis Show, Viva Fry.
1: Good morning, Andrew, uh, and a very good early morning to where you are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so look, I um, it's probably best for you to give a bit of an overview of what your channel is about. And then look, there's, again, I, I want to talk about, you know, I guess the, the channel itself and the content you do, but also the story behind it, because I think it's just so... Inspiring and uh, I don't know offbeat in an awesome way. So um, why don't you tell people about um, About your channel to begin with and we'll go from there
1: Sounds good. So the channel itself it, it, to say it's evolved. It would be an understatement it, it there's been a current theme that has always been there Which was just you know to make the world slightly better maybe make it happier make people smile um, In the early stages. It was a random I was basically using it as online storage for moments or for funny videos um, something happened. I'm trying to think of the first video I ever did was me wearing a, it was a light pumpkin, but maybe a hundred pounds as a <laughs> jack-o'-lantern. And I was helping kids, you know, not helping, but directing kids across the street in a humorous way. It was a 13 second video. The idea of putting something on YouTube for other people to view was, was not the consideration at that time. It was just put it there, share it with some friends and family, because that's what YouTube is for sort of like Dropbox right. more easily accessible. Sure. Um, then over time, I started doing these races, these obstacle course races, Spartan races. I think you, you guys you should know. They, I think they're yeah. big in Australia as well. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. OCR yeah. outdoor. OCR. It's outdoor outdoor obstacle course racing. It's yeah. it's amazing. You know, you jump over walls, barbed wire. So yeah. I started doing these races, and as a gag, because I was a lawyer, I started doing them in a suit and tie which people found hilarious <laughs> and, and they said you should record one of these races. So yeah. then the idea that I had was, I'm not just going to record a race. I'm going to do the race lip syncing a Miley Cyrus song and put together a montage music video, <laughs> which I, I, I called that video. It was called wrecking Spartan and you know, I was just running the race lip syncing the songs. And I started doing that once every two months cause I was doing these races pretty often. Uh-huh. Um, and those were the early videos on the channel, but I, I was a lawyer. I had no idea what YouTube was really about. Sure. If I knew then what I knew now, I probably wouldn't be here now because it has to be like sort of an evolution and a learning process. Sure, but yeah. Then, okay, I make these videos. I do these funny uh, obstacle course races. People sort of like it. They they liked it on the, on the race scene. Um, mm. And that's what the video was, that's what the channel was about. And at some point, I put up this squirrel stealing a GoPro video, which mm. was really early on, like in the first year of my discovering YouTube. And um, it was the first year I got a GoPro and I was just sort of messing around with it. Shot this funny video where a squirrel stole the GoPro, carried it up a tree and then dropped it a minute and a half. It got 5 million views in a week. And I discovered this entire thing on YouTube called you know viral videos, video licensing. Sure. Agencies were calling up, not agencies rather, but um, third-party platforms were calling up for interviews. They wanted the backstory. The video was licensed by National Geographic. Wow. It was in other It was in, It was all over the world to the point where I have... Uh, a best uh, a friend whose mother uh, was reading the spanish news and i was on the front page of the spanish news online um, so a totally like eye opening experience in terms of the the potential for for youtube as not as a money making platform but just as a as a hobby as a pastime what what it yeah. what it could possibly do like you could reach the world in a fluke you know catch lightning in a bottle moments thing um, and that's what happened with the scroll video and then I learned about video licensing—the idea that there were these people willing to license videos to put in, you know, blogs, montages, uh, te- you know, television shows—and um, I started putting up just these random videos. Random is an understatement. It uh, yeah. could have been a thirty-second video of a, could have been a fourteen-second video of me giving a bumblebee a high five. Uh, did, did you see that one? No. Not Google, 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 but go on YouTube and, and put in the words "bumblebee high 5 and I should be in the right. video. Um, right. <laughs> and so, like you know, a fourteen-second bumblebee high five, uh, yeah. or, or worms on the street, uh, a bird, an animal—random mm. videos. Um, you know what uh,
0: I love at this point, by the way, is that somebody who doesn't know anything about your channel will have absolutely no idea of where this is about to go.
1: Oh, no, but it, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, this is it, the greatest it, thing! It, it, even one of the new twenty thousand subscribers of the last month is going to be like, "What on earth is he?" Talking about? <laughs> some, of the, some of the new subscribers have been going back, and I notice comments on videos that are five years old, four years old—right? Oh, but right,
0: right. I anyway, on. So, yep. All
1: right. No, so at the same time now, I'm I'm still practicing law, and I've got like this sure. reputation as a lawyer and an image to uphold mm. um, among my colleagues, my clients, and you know judges. I don't want to go to court and you know if I had gone to court then and they say, "Frajah, uh, I just saw you running a race in a suit," uh, you know, h- "How was your weekend?" Type thing. Sure. It would, be, it would have been embarrassing then, but I had nobody watching the videos really back then. I was just doing yeah, it for sure. my fun. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And so then over the years, as I sort of became a little bit more disenfranchised and bored and disappointed with the practice, I did this as cathartic relief. I would just make, at first, just random videos and they started getting more and more frequent. I would uh, do Mm. fun things with drones. And I started learning about how YouTube actually works as a channel, like an actual channel where people go to get content. Um, uh, and then I, at one point, I decided I'm going to wind up the litigation uh, side of my practice because I just don't want to be doing this in 10 years. And if I don't change anything today, it's never going to change. Yeah. So I spent about a year winding up my litigation files, finding new lawyers for existing files, referring clients out, settling files. Some files I'm still in because litigation is a multi year process. But mm. I, I wound up the litigation side of the practice, took the family, and we went to California for a two and a half week road trip, mm-hmm. the longest vacation of our lives. Um, And then as of that point, I think it was 2016, I said, I'm gonna put up a video a day and see how long I can do it. Right. And at this point, they're family vlogs, like, you know, just like the day in the life. Sometimes they had a joke, sometimes they had a theme, but otherwise they were just random, random videos. Random videos, minimal traction. I, you know, they they were, it was a lot of work, learning how to edit, learning how to upload. At some point I, you know, started learning about YouTube as a platform, like thumbnails, tagging, uh, proper descriptions. I started learning about the mechanism of YouTube. Um, and I noticed over the course of two years, whenever I did a video that sort of touched on a law issue, Mm. people found it interesting. Mm. Um, and at first it was just like here and there videos that touched on law. And I had a bunch of friends saying, you know, the angle that you should work at from YouTube is the, the, the dad lawyer show us what life of law is really about. Mm. And so I did one video, which was my last trial. Mm. uh, And I think it was called the last trial. And that Mm -hmm. one got like 15 or 20,000 views and people loved it. They say, oh, I I love this. I'm an aspiring lawyer. I'm a law student. I I find this very enlightening. And so I started doing the law videos or I just called them law vlogs at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it might have been like one out of 20 videos, but people loved those videos and would sort of come along and watch the other videos, but they really loved the law stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at one point someone said, I forget who it was. If I ever can thank them, I'll thank them. But they said, vlog, you should do vlogs, V-L-A-W-G-S. Yeah. As a great idea. And so I started doing that and more and more often more and more frequent as relates to the other family sort of vlog cooking stuff. Mm. Um and you know, the interest was there the, the it, it's not a question of the numbers in terms of validation it's just in terms of seeing that there's a demand that people want to yeah. talk about these legal things they want to understand about these legal things. Um and so for the last couple months I think maybe 3 months it's I've been doing virtually exclusively the vlogs just because I follow this stuff on my own, anyhow. Um, right. I, I consider myself to be relatively—I don't want to say moderate, like it's this left or right dichotomy. But I have the blessing and the curse of always seeing both sides, even sure. uh, you know, even if some people think I shouldn't. Yeah. So when I, when I when I when I view what's going on in the world through that perspective, and having the legal analysis or the legal training to Understand what's going on. I said, I'll just explain some stuff that's going on in a fun way, mix in the family, show what real life is about, and mm-hmm. hopefully provide some insight. Not to not to force my opinion on others, but rather just to sensitise everybody to both sides potentially, or to the reality of the situation, and let them come to their own conclusions. And I mean, the, the spike in the channel since that decision in terms of content has been exponential. Yeah. Um, I think I think like I picked up thirty thousand new subscribers. Uh, over two months. Wow. On a of, and now over wow. like at eighty two thousand. But yep. it's just, a, it's and it's not, uh, and, and it's interesting because it feels organic and and not exploitive or opportunistic at all. It's just that yeah. so much stuff out there that people want to understand, um, and to deliver something in in a call it a neutral or at least a three sixty perspective, in a palatable and amusing manner, in, in a clear way. I mean, it's, you know, there's there's a demand. People love it and. I don't know if you know what the concept of Ikigai. Ah, oh, yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. But
1: we need to do a video on this forever. But Ikigai is basically like the purpose in life, which is when four overlapping, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what are those
0: things called? Uh, uh, I want to say values, but that's probably wrong. It's um, yeah. It's, it's a Venn diagram. Oh, it's a, it is a Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Of the four, like, um, what is it? It's like what you can get paid for, what you're passionate about, uh, what the world needs and what you're good at. Thank you
1: and when all four of those overlap that's the purpose you know i love the family vlogs i love making them they take a lot of time they take a lot of work Mm. but there's there's an also there's an an inherent issue with family vlogs that's sort of like i don't call it the roman atwood phenomenon do you know who roman Mm. atwood is
0: the name rings a bell but
1: he's a big you know huge family vlogger where he did daily vlogs forever and it was just family stuff but every day was a new adventure and the pressure
0: Oh to sure!
1: Continually have another video that outdoes your last day. Yeah, it, first of all, it's 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 unsustainable. But it's also it becomes at some point potentially rehearsed or it feels staged or it feels forced.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not the type of content that that I that I could or wanted to do because I'm not going to cross certain boundaries in terms of family stuff. Yeah. Um, so, but this 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 content, it's the, there's stories out there every day. The problem is there's too much of it. It requires. Mm search and it requires editing and it requires this and that um but it's there's a demand there's a desire and i think it's value added Uh, i hope it's value added to humanity as a a whole
0: oh absolutely i mean it was how i mean how i discovered your channel was was simply because again there was i can't actually remember what the first video was that i looked at um, but it was just that yeah there was this kind of a a legal breakdown of here's a here's a complex thing and I mean, it, the things you mentioned definitely spoke to why it appealed to me as well. Was that, look, this thing's big and complicated. And if you go through, you know, air quotes, traditional media, mainstream media, if you want to use that term, you, you're you always aware that there's a spin one way or the other. And I just wanted to go, okay, but what does this actually mean? Like, how do I get my head around it? Um, and so to, to find a channel that said, well, look, here you go. This is the... This is it broken down to layman's terms, but also, you know, the, the way you deliver the the videos themselves too, um, the genuineness of it comes across really strongly. Um, from my perspective, it definitely drew me into that. It didn't feel overly staged. In fact, uh, you know, if people are going to be checking out your channel, which I hope they will after listening to this too, um, you know, you you happily get interrupted by life halfway through them, um, you know, multiple times. And yet it just kind of adds to this kind of thing. So I don't know, man. I think the the, the way it's unfolded's definitely been a, a massive strength for the channel.
1: Well, and now if I take a guess, maybe the video that you saw, the first one might have been the Alex Jones deposition.
0: No, no, it uh, wasn't that one. No, um, yeah, actually, you know what I think it was? Because it, it was relatively recently. I think it was one of the um, uh, Covington related ones. Oh, like, yes, the Washington Post the, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, look. Why don't we get into that? Because again, there's there's so much, so many other aspects to this. I do want to talk about, but just for those who are, you know, for the fanboys as well, um, let's talk about some of the the videos you've done. Say, you know, over the last, you know, whatever under the under the vlog banner. Uh, what have what have been some of your favorites? Let's talk about that. What what have been some of the ones you've found most interesting? And maybe we can talk about those a little bit more for a moment as well.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. Now, when you say the vlog, you mean the V L A W G, not the V-L-A-W-G.
0: Of course I do, the vlog. Yeah. How are you doing with the trademark on that, by the way? Because you know you oh, kind well, of make an offhand joke, it. but I'm pretty sure you must be actually pursuing it.
1: Oh well yeah, no, I, I, so I did file it. I used legal oh, cool. Zoom in the States to do it, and I did it myself in Canada. Um yeah. we'll see. it's 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 so preposterous. It's like six to eight months before you get a n before you get a response from the okay. registrar. I'll let everyone yes. know when I, when I, if and when I, I think I should get it. It's it's original enough and it's circumscribed yeah. enough. I'm not trying to like claim uh, an entire field. It's yeah, sure, know, lo- law based video blogs on on YouTube and, and video <laughs> platforms. Um, uh, uh, So, yeah, you know, if it was a vlog, my most interesting vlog, my favorite video of all time is still catching the bass off my drone, which is illegal in Canada as of two days ago. I'm looking at my phone to see what the date is. As of June 1st, you can no longer transport living animals via drone. And I suspect that would include carrying a fish on a hook. So no one can outdo me for that <laughs> in Canada ever again. <laughs> oh, man. But, but as far as the actual, as far when, and from, from now on, when we use the word blog, we'll do like the VLAWG. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, the ones I love doing the most are the the deposition breakdowns. Yeah, um, okay. I, I love doing them because, you know, on the one hand, some of the, my content, it's not political and there's no but. It's, I, I don't consider it political. It deals mm-hmm. with, political issues, but it's not political in the sense of it's not a, a position-based opinion commentary, uh, even if it might touch some of that in some way at some times. Sure. It, it deals with issues, but it's typically to present both sides. But even when you do that, you either piss off both sides or you still manage to to piss off one side. Sure. And it's not my goal. Sorry, I just got to beep there. It's not, this is a, it's a fear and it's also sort of a, an impediments. I, I don't. I genuinely don't want to insult, upset anybody. It's not going to prevent me from having my opinion or having a discussion. It's mm. just that I don't feel good going to bed at night if I made someone cry, even if they deserved it. Type thing, yeah, which was true. the fundamental problem with me in law. Yeah, I, I was going to say because
0: we'll get to that because I don't know how okay, you became not, a lawyer, man. Yeah. Like anyway,
1: thing. <laughs> like you know, I, I would make witnesses or, or or parties cry during deposition, and yeah. it would be great to file, but like it didn't make it feel good. So. Even in dealing with these certain issues, I'm, my goal is not to make anybody feel bad for the positions they have, and it's not to make people hate me for the positions that I might have. Yeah. Um, these depositions are sort of easy, let's call it politically, to deal with because it's just an observation. Now, I will get accused of, of bias in my interpretation, as I did with the Alex Jones. Uh, I, it's, it's the way the world views. It's the way people in the world view the entire world now. Everything is is viewed through these blinders of sort of call it political or identity politics where mm. Everyone attacks the interpretation based on what they perceive to be the person's bias, which is fine, and that's just the way we live now. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, typically, it's easier to, you know, do a breakdown of a deposition. I'll get called bias for attacking the lawyer, not attacking, for criticizing or commenting on the <laughs> lawyers who are examining. That's de- objection,
0: Your Honor. Yeah, you know, I care. <laughs> Well,
1: so was like, yeah, you know, I was I was critical of the deposition of Alex Jones in, in certain questions asked by the plaintiffs' attorneys. Yeah. People take that to believe. People take that to mean that I'm pro Alex Jones. Mm. But like I said in the comments, you know, I, I'm only dealing with the lawyer asking the questions. When Alex Jones's lawyer does a deposition, you know, th- the ball is going to be in his court where uh, people are going to accuse me of being pro plaintiffs because I'm commenting on what Alex Jones's attorney is doing. It's yeah. just that's just the nature of the beef. But but they're fun to do because they're they're. I think they sh- are insightful, not in a pretentious way. I just think people. Never see the full deposition. The, most people are never going to watch the full deposition. And even mm. if they take the time to watch a substantial portion of it, they're not going to be able to digest a lot of what's going on. And mm. so it's fun to break it down. It's fun to explain it in layperson's terms. It's fun to explain the nuances of what non lawyers might not appreciate as far yeah. as questions go, as far as banter among attorneys goes. Uh-huh. And generally speaking, they, they don't offend people.
0: Um, sure. Sure. But I so can, can you speak to a kind of a specific thing then that that maybe comes to mind when you think of a, a deposition? You've done a, a, a vlog on recently. Okay. Um, well, the,
1: the, the breakdown of the Alex Jones deposition was yeah. my favorite, and that's I, I think that's sort of the one that launched my channel sort of into the YouTube algorithm of rec- you know recognition. Um, okay. Because a lot of people watched it, and I think got like a. It definitely was over hundred thousand. I think it might be at close to two hundred thousand views. But people were watching it. People were commenting on it. And that one was particularly important. I felt just as the deposition was three and a quarter hours. The wow. media coverage was literally a five-second soundbite. Yeah. And like with the Nicholas Sandman thing, and we'll get into it. Mm. The media coverage. I'm a, I'm a critical person, and I'm yeah. and I don't believe anything I read without independent verification. Yeah. But I still have my reflexes, and I still have my reactions. And when I heard the media coverage and I saw the soundbite, it's like, oh, sounds interesting. But I'm going to go, you know. I, I, with the media, it's not trust but verify. With the media, it's just verify. So yeah. I, I read the media coverage. I heard the sound. I was like, Ah! Oh, I need to see how this deposition went myself. I watched the whole thing, and like, it, I, my, my reference these days has been Rashomon, the Akira Kurosawa film, where you know people, people, every a number of people witness the same event. Everyone's got mm-hmm. a different version of what yeah. they saw. Yeah. You know, I, I, we know that the media, left or right, is pushing an agenda behind the, what they report and in the mm-hmm. manner in which they describe it. Yeah, the degree to which that is is sometimes unbelievable. So I had to go watch this Alex Jones deposition, and it was eye opening for me because you know I, it's it, it was eye opening for a number of respects, but it's specifically in terms of how it was being reported mm. in the media everywhere, left and right. It's yeah. uh, you know both sides have their echo chambers. Um, and, it's and, I, very... and
0: I will say as a quick little side note too, one of the things that I love, again, about your channel, but what's what YouTube's presented is that for exactly the reasons you mentioned that, you know, you're not driven by the same, say, even commercial incentives that, you know, hey, we've got five minutes before we go to a break. Let's break down an incredibly complex legal situation in five minutes, get two people arguing over it within that five minutes. Uh, and then, you know, we cut to the weather. Uh, so when you can actually talk about something for you know, an hour, ten minutes, thirty minutes, whatever, but uninterrupted. Um, that to me is one of the massive—I don't know—perks, benefits, whatever you want to call it—about just having channels like yours and and just the ability to access this kind of stuff as well, and why I think they're competing with a lot of you know more traditional news sources.
1: It, it, well, it is amazing, and, and this is what I never fully appreciated either about YouTube is that right? Um, it's 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 not the absence of commercials per se, but it is the absence of these. Constraints, time constraints, yeah, um, yeah, uh, uh, political constraints, advertising constraints. Don't touch certain subjects. Deal with certain yeah. subjects a certain way, or we're going to pull our advertisers. Um, mm. But the uh, yeah, I mean, and, and five minutes to discuss an issue. When someone says you have fifteen seconds, how do you respond to that? Yeah. How can you respond to that? It's 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 impossible. Yeah, it's 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 the, it's the, the way I think media is sort of uh, def- deforming the way we we interact with each other, and and, and Twitter and Facebook, it's. It's limiting characters to mm. to have these discussions, which they're, they're, they're nuanced. It's not infinitely nuanced. You don't need to go on for an hour and a half, but yeah. they're nuanced enough that it can't be simplified into a 15-second soundbite. Um, yeah. And and, and I don't want to comment on people's attention spans, like like I have the longest one in the world. Um, mm. It's that people get these soundbites, and then they draw their conclusions from what yeah. can only be described as very limited or... Um, you know, it, it, par- partial uh, information and yeah. not partial, like not incomplete, I should say. Incomplete, <laughs> right? In terms I of should,
0: bias. I should tell you my, my thought quickly on the time, on the um, people's attention span thing, by the way, because I had a conversation with a friend about this, which, um, you know, was quite enlightening when we went back and forwards. But, you know, we talk about this idea of, you know, people having shorter attention spans or whether they do or don't. And I realized while we're having that conversation, you know, we, we talk about people having shorter attention spans at the same time that we talk about people being able to do a Netflix binge and watch eight hours of a TV program in one day. So who's got a short attention span, you know? And so what I started to think was that actually it's that in the absence of a high quality option, people have got a short attention span. You know, when you don't have a good thing to watch, a good thing to listen to, then you, you flick, flick, flick. But people have also proven at the same time that we say we have short attention spans that no, they can watch one thing for, you know, or a, or a podcast. You know, I mean, Joe Rogan, you know, particularly shows people you can listen to a conversation about stuff you know nothing about for two hours and get, you know, a million views on it.
1: I, I It's not that I don't believe in the short attention span you know, qualification, I just don't think it's radically different than it's ever been throughout history. I just think right. then it just materializes itself differently. Wow, hundred yep. years ago, you didn't have people sitting in their sitting in, in in, metro cars looking at their iPhones, you had people reading newspapers. Yeah. Um, yeah. people had other ways of being antisocial a hundred years ago. People <laughs> had a short a hundred years ago, it just materialized in a different way. Um well, yeah. I, mean, I don't think the brain is radically changing over the course of yeah. 10 years. I think the um where it comes down in terms of the human communication, I think hmm. that's being, we're being sort of not indoctrinated and maybe not ingrained, but conditioned. It's not, I don't think it's something fundamental. I just think yeah. we're getting reflexively uh, in, sort of reflexively into, uh, what's the word? Not indoctrinated, but just trained to respond certain ways to certain types of discourse. But no, I don't think people's attention spans are radically shorter now than they ever were. I, yeah. I think there might be over-prescription for what is being deemed to be short attention spans uh, today, but no, like, look, I have, a, I have a tremendously short attention span, but I'll go fishing for three hours. I mean, what?
0: Well, you, you watched an Alex Jones deposition that was three hours long. You know, so you're like, well, <laughs> yeah.
1: that was somewhat painful, but it's, it's painful. You'll find out, no, and I'm saying that tongue in cheek. It, things are boring, and you tune out when you, yeah, when you don't, yeah. when you don't have an interest in it, and yeah. when you don't get stimulated while watching. it. That's fine. Yeah. It's not a short. It's just. Having a brain that wants to create and that wants to think and that wants to do something, and yeah. being lulled into a boredom from a topic that doesn't find interesting.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, let's. I want. I want to talk about that particularly. And I'm, I'm saying this more as a reminder to myself because I want to come back to this again because something that really comes through in your personality is I don't know how you ever became a lawyer in the first place uh, with the amount of energy that you bring to to what you do, but just so that I can make sure that we have kind of gone in a little more in depth on this. If we, if we do talk again about a couple of the, the, the videos that you have done as well, um, you, know, you mentioned about the depositions and that sort of thing as well, but just, just tell us a little more and actually just for the sake of people who may not be too aware as well, I mean, what even is a deposition in the first place? Um, and what are some of the things that you find uh, people are most uh, grateful for you breaking down for them in these vlogs that you're doing?
1: So, okay, a deposition is either, it's a deposition, examination, discovery. It's when you sit a witness down, either in front of a judge or typically they're a party to the lawsuit, and then it's not done in front of a judge, it's done during the judicial process, you ask them questions on the suit, on their motion, on the action, uh, on the claim. Mm. And both parties get to do it. So, you know, when when someone sues somebody, uh, typically the parties are gonna examine each other, the defendant examines a representative of the plaintiff or the plaintiffs themselves to understand their lawsuit to try to get admissions, et cetera. So it's mm. basically, it's like the courtroom scenes that you get in Hollywood movies, but uh, depositions or examinations are not always done in front of a judge. Mm. The, the peculiarity of the American legal system, and I'm not sure if it's the same way anywhere else, is that the depositions are video recorded. Mm. So when they release the depositions, in addition to having a written transcript, you get these videos, and I mean, they're amazing. You have Bill Gates' deposition, which lasted days. I mean, I started watching it, but there's like literally 10, 15 hours of deposition. Oh. When they release them, you have a video and you're staring at a guy um, who's just being recorded as he answers questions from attorneys that you don't always see. Yeah. So, which is very new. It's, in Canada, we, um, we audio record the depositions, but we, the only the stenographer, the person who like types up the, hmm. the deposition, uses that to create a transcript. And then you serve you is not when you file the transcript mm-hmm. in the state having a video adds a whole new dimension to appreciating the deposition and what you get access to because when you yeah. read it, when you read a deposition you read the words on a page when you see how the words were said it's a lot different oftentimes
0: sure yeah yeah
1: so the um so the yeah, breaking down the depositions it's fun because you get to see how the lawyers behave how the witnesses behave how the stenographers behave the other thing that I've been doing a lot of is actually just you know reading the lawsuits, going through yeah. the lawsuit, because mm. this is another thing. It's it's not there's no one who's to blame for this. You can't expect media to read in Nicholas Sandman's case, and we'll get to that because that one also yeah. was extremely popular, not in the sense that people take popular. It was well received. People found it an, uh, value added to their lives. You can't expect people to read. Uh, I think I think that was four hundred. It was either 180 pages. I'm getting mixed up between the Mueller reports, which was 400 pages, and yeah. the Nicholas Sandman lawsuit, but ridiculously long. I mean, 200 oh, yeah. pages. So you can't expect people to read it, and you can't expect people to, even if they do decide to read it, to understand what they're reading. So mm. what I start doing is I, you know, I go, I pick out the essential paragraphs, the, the summarize the key points of it, and then pro- you know, do a vlog that basically just breaks it down. What are they saying here? Why are they saying this? Why are they alleging certain things? Mm. Um, and in a way that, you know, in, in Nicholas Sandman's video, it was 18 minutes, mm. uh, breaking down a 200-page defamation lawsuit. Uh, pe- people have time for that. People sometimes say my videos are distracting because of the interruptions, but I, I personally think that keeps people from falling asleep. Like yep. someone sitting there just... In a monotonous voice, talking for 15, oh, for fifteen minutes. for sure.
0: Yeah, man. If you sure. were in a, if you were just in a legal office with like a you know filing cabinet in the background and that kind of the low hum of fluorescent lights, I'd be like, yeah, pass. So uh, yeah,
1: I say this without judgment to those because there are channels yeah. that are more like that yeah, than sure. like mine. And mm-hmm. I always get the comment like, oh, the kids are distracting. Get a better mic. Get better lighting. So yeah. okay, but that's not. That, I mean, it's not. First of all, that's not who I am as a human. I'm not. I'm not extremely refined in that. Right. Call it a superficial <laughs> sense, but on that. On that base level um i say it's more more natural but it's just because i'm not i can't prep myself like that and i, I can't yeah. i don't know i hear you man just, represent it's like. yeah no, I, it's, like, it's also it's not who i am i can't fake it for for long enough to, yeah. so i can't even take it period so there's no point in trying so sure. you know i don't need the good lighting i just it's it just i want to be authentic and i mm. i want to be unscripted, and i want it to come off naturally because that's how people are going to absorb yeah. it i think best
0: yeah, no, totally agree. Totally agree. So let's, let's talk about the Nicholas Sandman one then as well. Cause as you mentioned, I mean, that was another one that that, that got a lot of um, views for you too. So just to make sure we've covered a couple of the, the videos in particular, um, what was it in particular about either that experience? Cause cause that's part of a wider series that you've done as well. Um, so what's stood out to you either in the nature of the the content you've actually had to cover specifically or the reactions you've had from people to the videos you've produced?
1: Well, so, well, Nicholas Salmon, I don't think there was a specific request for Nicholas Salmon. I'm sure people specifically requested it, but it was something that I was interested I had been interested in that since the first day it happened of January, whatever, I think it was January 18th, um, in that story. Um, yeah. and, and, not from, and not from a political perspective, because, it, you know, people have great difficulty talking about that on either side without using words like, uh, I don't even know if I want to use the words. They're not terrible words. They're like... <laughs> political words, like you know, hating on Trump supporters and Trump supporters yeah. hating on, on uh, the left. And um, it's tough to even talk about that without it being politicized because it's such a political mm. issue. But, but I mean, that was part of the, uh, not the motivation, that was just part of, part, of the, part of the, it's part of the nature of the situation, which made it trickier to deal with because I, my, my deal was not to politicize that and no buts. Um, it was to explain what on earth is going on. You can you can hate Nicholas Sandman all you want, or you can hate um, Nathan Phillips, or you can be you know a diehard Democrat. You can be a diehard Republican. There are issues in that situation that are nonpartisan, and although yeah. they may be partisan in this circumstance, tomorrow the roles could be flipped, and it would be just as a serious an issue for for everybody. So, but I guess it, it was it was important to deal with it because people get the talking points, they get the one-liner, uh, and they don't appreciate the nuances in that particular lawsuit. And they hear, they hear of a lawsuit of a kid suing a newspaper for $250 million, and they go, stupid Yanks uh, with that with that crazy legal system again, suing for hundreds of millions of dollars, it's ridiculous, and they don't bother right. to get into the actual merits of the suit. Mm. Uh, so it, there, there are nuances in all of these situations, but especially the ones that are so polarizing, people tend to ignore or be blinded to the nuances and truly understand what's going on. And that's why, you know, salmon was, it was something I was going to look into myself. These are all things that I would otherwise read about and look into yeah. for my own personal benefits. Uh, and the, the the fact that I can sort of turn it into something of a, you know, something of a, of a I don't even call it, not, it's not a profession. That would be the loftiest and silliest way to describe it. But the, the fact, if I can turn it into a sustainable uh, life, yeah, how much... It's, it's rewarding. It's, it's something I would do for myself anyhow. Right. And if, I, if people get something out of it, I mean, you know, what more can a person ask for? But the, the Nicholas Sam, on the substance of it, is amazing. Yeah. And it has, it has repercussions for the world. And yeah. it shows the differences between the U.S. media system, the U.S. legal system, the Canadian legal system, the British legal system. Its mm. um, definition is not the same in Canada, in the U.S., and in, you know, in Britain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, and I would encourage people to check those out. And as, as I said, there's a, there's a whole host, um, which incidentally too, I don't know if I've said this specifically too, but if you want to already at this point, if you're looking to load up uh, Viva's channel, if you literally look for Viva Fry, which is V-I-V-A and then F-R-E-I, um, or just or just type in V-L-A-W-G-S, uh, I right, guarantee you you'll, you'll find it. Yeah, that's right. Did I write it the right direction as well? Because I know that's been a challenge. Is, is it, all right? I can't. I don't know, man. It's one of those things. Um, but look at, at this point too, you mentioned something towards the end of that statement about the the Sandman, um, video anyway, but kind of more broadly speaking that, you know, for you, if this is something that can, you know, be, our. uh, a, a contribution that you can make, that you can also make a living from that, that people appreciate. Um, I think that speaks very highly of, of, of who you are. And and again, one of the things that drew me into your channel and, and why, uh, you know, at this point, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about your, your background and all of this as well. Because again, uh, I have friends and family who are lawyers and how shall I put this? You're not like most lawyers.
1: Uh, <laughs> I got and, that when I was in the profession,
0: <laughs> right? And so you know the the kind of the energy that, that you bring to that. I mean, I think you know the the quality of the analysis that you bring obviously shows me that you you did you did pretty well. Uh, but tell me about how you know how you ended up in a position where you were you know in commercial law um, for I think you said upwards of ten years, wasn't it? Um, been, I'm still I was in court
1: last week. I mean, I'm still there, just much less frequently. But yeah, I was, okay. I was sworn in, in 2007. So
0: wow, right.
1: It's, it's the, like, you know, like Kierkegaard says, life can only be understood backwards, but has to be lived forwards. Oh, sure. the, I, 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 I still feel as though I'm the same person now I, that I was when I was 16. And at right. 16, I was, you know, maybe misbehaving, uh, maybe had too much energy. Uh, I was into the arts. I was into, I was into video. I was into photography back then. I did, um, I don't think you guys have Seja, but we have like the system. We have a schooling system after high school, before university, and it's a two-year program called Seja. And I don't know yeah. what it stands for, but, um, and so there I did a, you know, I studied fine arts and film, went to study philosophy at McGill. And, you know, then the re- the reality of life comes where you have to pick a profession. I mean, this is how we're brought up. Um, sure. so, and it was never, it's, a, there was no family pressure, uh, in any respect, it, unless, you know, the, uh, unless just the foregone conclusion that that's the way it's going to be is considered sure. to be pressure. but I was sure. never pressured into it. It's just. You go, you get your law degree, you practice a lawyer, you make a life, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. You know, philosophy at McGill, law school in Quebec City, uh, which is a, a small, which is our capital of the province uh, of Quebec. Um, and then I started practicing, but and it was a, it was a, it was a job at, at first to try to not tame me, but I, I didn't behave the way most typical lawyers you'd expect them to behave. And sure. I was at a big law firm, one of the biggest in Canada, and you know we, we had the discussions that. Uh, you can't make jokes in court and you can't, there's certain things you can't do because, um, you know, it's just, it's not what people do and, and sure. you, you, you might, your tie should not be too colorful <laughs> type thing. <laughs> um, right. And, and I, I couldn't, it's not that I couldn't handle it. we I, I got along, I mean, I, I did well at that firm and they loved me and I loved them. And when I left, it was one of the biggest sources of, of referral work. But I said at one point, you know, I, I can't do this type of life. And yeah. so I went and started on my own. Uh, and for a while, actually, I went thinking I was going to leave law, go into commercial photography and start a new life. Okay. But, you know, like within the month after leaving the, the big firm, I started getting calls and my solo practice built up uh, in no time at all. And I did that. And it was different. You know, I could run the practice the way I want. I could make the jokes I want. I could, I could, I could be the person I want without Wear all the ties
0: like, you wanted?
1: Yeah, well, no, oh God, like one day I'm going to do a video of my ties in my, in my closet because I, I don't even know what I was thinking in looking at some of these ties. <laughs> But it it was, it was was an expression, you know, like I wasn't wearing a black tie and a black suit, even though that's the court requires sometimes, but the, um, so I I ran my practice in a way that I felt more comfortable with as a human. Like I I would do Mm. what I felt was right in a file and not what I was being told to do. Nothing immoral or unethical. It's just like, you know, I, I, you want to make your own decisions, not as to prove you're an adult, just because you want to feel good about what you're doing in the file. Um, mm. and you also sometimes want to get rid of a client who's not listening to you, or you want to make, you know, you want to talk to a client in a way that your superior might not like, even though you think it might be best for the yeah. client. Um, and I did that for, you know, almost 10, well, over seven years, mm. but at some point the practice of litigation, you, you, you whether or not I'm not going to change it. It's like, I, I, I no one politician is going to change Washington. No one lawyer is going to change the nature of the practice. And so the question of whether or not you sit there beating your head against the wall or, you know, training yourself to like it, um, or making a radical change, but I I would, I was an unorthodox, uh, atypical lawyer and not in a way that like people would not, not in a liability way, just different. And you can't, you, you can't, uh, you can't crush certain certain core personality traits. So Well um, I mean
0: you say that, but I mean again, this is one of the things that why I, I point to your channel is hopefully even and I mean this genuinely as a source of inspiration for people, because one path that some people go down is to say, no, no, I gotta I gotta stuff that down. I gotta, you know, choke down who I am in the pursuit of whatever and it tends to be some kind of extrinsic goal that they got secondhand from a you know or a parent or a colleague or a you know a teacher or somebody or other like that and so so i kind of love the fact that you didn't do that um and just decided that no no i'm gonna i'm gonna just roll with this so i don't know was that even ever a question for you or like you just decide on the first day i wonder if i can get myself fired for um you know cracking a joke in court or what
1: (laughs) no well it was. It was um. Uh, what was that? I just had a thought that I forgot about what I was going to say. Now it was. Dear goodness, you'll be able to edit out the silence.
0: <laughs> oh no, no, I leave. I leave. Every, I, I almost edit nothing at all. Like you know, <laughs> real conversations with real people have silences in them, so don't don't feel bad about that.
1: Well, I just I had a thought that I was going to come, come up with. But um, okay, what was the question you just asked? Uh,
0: well, when you were talking about being yourself and being the um. Atypical lawyer, I suppose. My, my question was more about the the conviction to to the fact that you had the courage or the strength to to do that.
1: Is... You reminded me now of what I was going to say. I, okay. I think I, I I have been incredibly lucky in the sense that um, I have a supporting spouse who you know oh, we, okay. I have a supporting spouse, and we never uh, money is always the issue, right? Like if, if, mm. if that's pretty much the first consideration in deciding to do something radical or not. It's, it's, I, I, I'll be myself, but is it going to cost me money? Uh, you know, I'm going to be myself, is it going to cost me clients? Uh, yeah. I need to do what I need to do. Is quitting my job absolutely irresponsible given that we have three kids or two kids or one kid at the time? And l- lucky in the sense that both my wife and I work. Uh, my wife, is she's not just, I don't want to say tolerant of what I do because it's sort of like that already sort of implies um, uh, disappointment it's she's supported and wants me to be as happy as I want me to be. And I want her to be. And so, yeah. it, you know, at one point when the, the decision to leave the big firm was not a decision, forget the money side, because I'm leaving a job that pays well to risk it all. Um, and that wasn't the issue. The issue is, you know, my wife did not like seeing me unhappy and disappointed in life. Wow. Um, and so those that, that's where the, that's where the real risk of the decision comes is does it, you know, I need to make, I need to survive and is being myself going to compromise my ability to survive. Um, And I may be just totally stubborn or just incorrigible, which I think is probably more the latter. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I I managed to succeed in law being who I was uh, as a quirky sort of lawyer who would make jokes in the courtroom, who would make judges laugh, who would talk to their clients uh, in a way that maybe the clients didn't like, but that was good for them and that they needed to hear. Um, Yeah. And, uh, but, but at the end of the day, I just, I, I, it's, I didn't want to be doing that in 10 years, regardless of, you know, whether or not I could have been a senior partner at a big firm, uh, making $2 million doing it. It just didn't make me feel good despite, you know, how, however good or however competent I may have been at doing it. Yeah, um, and, and, and the beautiful thing, so that, at that that was at the point when, you know, I left law and I said, well, maybe I'll look into mediation because towards the last two years of my, my career, I said, like, I, I found myself, uh, People take people, some people take issue with this, but you know, strongly recommending or uh, sensitizing clients to why it is better to settle, even if they think it's a question of principle um, that they want to take to the Supreme Court. And the more you, the more experience you get in the practice, the more you, the more anecdotes you have to tell people why that's not the good thing to do or why Mm it's not necessarily the good thing to do. Um, And so in the last year or two of my, my practice, I sort of found myself acting as a, not a mediator, but certainly employing more of those techniques or strategies with clients to sensitize them to the way things are going to go, regardless of how they think it's going to go. And then I said, well, maybe I'll just become a mediator, and instead of having to be partisan for one client to the other, uh, I can sensitize both to the inherent risks and uh, you know and benefits and, and and pitfalls of their respective positions and to pursuing years of litigation. And yeah. and in a way, it's like it's the law of logs, which sort of adopt that characteristic that. Came before my getting accredited is. I realized when I'm describing these situations, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one going back where there was really two sides to the story. Well, the Serena Williams analysis, w- which was why you don't ar- argue with judges, right. even breaking it down, you know, like in that in that vlog, uh, I was I was sort of critical of the reaction, but nonetheless, you can still see both sides of the story, and you, you, even if you don't agree with them, you have to understand that they're there. And so it was in making these videos that I said, well, geez. This sounds a lot like mediation. Maybe I'll go get my accredited mediation and see if that becomes a career. Uh, yeah. Thus far, I have yet to have one mediation client. <laughs> but
0: but
1: <laughs> I, I consider the internet to be the uh, the, the, the first client. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, and look, there is an amazing and that's one of the videos of yours that I again was why I wanted to reach out to you anyway was that your because you you break down in the video again for those listening who are curious about this you break down the the adversarial nature of the litigation process and and you know it's that way by design and uh, this is how we try to get to the truth of things and. Um, one of the the points that that came out of that, which I think is is bigger than law anyway, is is that idea of you know when you get tunnel vision about I'm gonna get you know the most I can out of this other person, uh, you know again taken away from from law in general, but even just in your relationships with other people, this is kind of how I applied it anyway was that yeah man, the moment you you lose sight of that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. You think one day somebody's going to stand up and say, wow, you were 100% right and they were 100% wrong. And to encourage people to pursue that where, as opposed to, look, let's try and find something where we can both move forward and then kind of put this thing behind us, um, I just think is a, is a really kind of transcendent principle. So the fact that even in, in that video, where you talk about this idea of becoming a mediator, you're going to touch on that and say, well, actually I can make more of a difference um, by mediating between people. Um, I found, I found really inspiring.
1: Well, there's, I mean, you know, the old paradigm, would you rather be right, wrong or happy? Or would, would you rather be right or happy? Um, yeah. and then the, you know, there's another one. Uh, it was, it was funny. It was a friend of mine from elementary school who now does, uh, not mediation rather, but like a uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. He's sort of a oh, psychologist. Cool. Yeah. And
0: nice. so
1: he posted on Facebook one day. He doesn't even remember the post, but his post lasted with me. And his post was basically, uh, to the effect that sometimes it doesn't matter whether or not you're, you're right to say it. The question is, why would you say it? Mm. Um, I type things like where pe- people get uh, fixated or they place value on being right as opposed to compromise and placing the value on being happy. Yeah. Um, and then you said something about like, you know, the, the pursuit of law is the pursuit of the truth. It's adversarial in pursuit of the truth. What, what you realize, spend enough time in the legal system, it's not a an adversarial system in pursuit of the truth. It's an adversarial ah. pursuit, in pursuit of your truth, okay. right? Right. You know, and, and now that this comes up, and you know this will be as political as I'll get. When when I hear people talk about their truth or use the term my truth or your truth, um, it, it reminds me of law because what we're saying when you use the word my truth or your truth, you're actually just saying your experience, which is the which is basically the opposite of truth. It's the wow. subjective and not the objective. Um, and so, the, when, when the, the law is not the pursuit of the truth, it's the pursuit of your truth. And in the pursuit of your truth, your truth, you try to destroy the other person's truth,
0: yeah. uh,
1: or you ignore things that don't support your truth, or you and or you cherry pick things that do support your truth. And it's my ongoing gag. It's why so many lawyers become politicians, and it's why mm. politics is so much like the practice of law, where nobody's after the truth; they're after their truth, which involves demonizing their adversary which involves cherry picking their adversaries mistakes and harping on them which involves cherry picking their data to support their position it's yeah. the adversarial position in law is basically what politics if it hasn't if it's not what it's become it's what it's always been and i suspect it's always been that way but it's yeah. just it's particularly noxious these days where nobody's after nobody's after the truth they're only after their truth and that causes people to uh, treat other people and treat the facts in, in ways that are not genuinely susceptible of arriving at the truth, but only their truth. Yeah. That's, yeah. My, that's as much of a rant as I'm going to go. I
0: can go <laughs> no, I, look, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we, you know, probably kind of got underway, but that just that ability to respectfully listen to somebody else that you disagree with um, and understand that there might be a point in this conversation we say, well, you know what? I think we're just going to have to disagree on that uh seems to be a lost art or at least and and maybe it is fueled by media i don't know i mean i'm sure people who have far more time on their hands than i do have done deep dives into this kind of thing Uh, but just the fact that you know we want to win we've got to you know beat the other guy i've got to get them to say oh no you're right you're right i'm wrong i'm wrong i'll change my opinion as opposed to yeah respectfully saying well look you know what this is what i think and you know what
1: the problem is it's and it's not, it's, it's, a, it's like one step beyond saying, let's agree to disagree. It's saying, let's agree to disagree without demonizing the other, even yeah. internally for believing that. And, and I had, I don't want to get I don't want to get into the details of the discussion because that would be definitely too political, but I had a discussion with someone and I said, yeah. I said, like, can you appreciate that? I don't, I don't agree with you. And I was like, I, don't, I just don't understand that. And it's, it's sort of like the, the, the argument with, um, uh, I'll get it with the, with, with one of the recent videos, which triggered a discussion, I'll get into that, remind me, it was the uh, the duck hunting video. Oh, um, okay. But like, it, it's it's that people say, people are not, they're just, they're not able to disagree and continue going on respecting the person as a whole because right. I, this is where I think it's been the social media conditioning. It's that it, we're in the mentality of the, of the cancel culture. We're like, I, if, you, if I disagree with something fundamental that I, if you disagree with something fundamental that mm. I believe in, we can't have anything to do with each other. I'm unsubscribing, I'm unfollowing. And right. I don't know that's always been as bad as it has been. Now, it seems to me, you know, I grew up with, with, with friends with different fundamental, call them, you know, the litmus test political ideologies. Sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. I mean, uh, that is, to the extent that it does not aggress me in an actual sense and not in the, you know, that, that, that fake sense, your decision to eat meat uh, offends me and hurts me, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't buy that argument. But to the extent that people can respect their decisions without demonizing the other, that's where it's at. But I, I even feel today, like someone says, okay, we'll agree to disagree, but I still hate you because you support Trump, or I still hate you because you voted for Hillary. I mean, yeah. and, and, and so it's it's a sort of a fake agree to disagree. It's let's agree to hate oh, each other over the court. <laughs> it, it shouldn't be hard to uh, yeah. uh, accept someone's beliefs, even if they're diametrically opposed to your core beliefs, to the extent that they're non, non-violent, non-hateful, non... Non-threatening mm. and, and in a meaningful sense, but uh, mm. yeah, I, I, that that I do fault a little bit to social media and the sure. conditioning that we got into. I, you say something I don't like, I I cancel you from my social media existence. But, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah well look I mean and at this point too if I was to share an observation you know you you already made that um, kaiga quote about how you know life is understood backwards but you got to live it forward and and even listening to you talking now you know I I hear somebody who has always been uh deeply committed to this idea of of people being able to have uh you know correct uh, directed um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Connected is a better way to say it. Uh, conversations that lead to outcomes where people get along, and, and you know, you come across again in your video of, as, uh, videos as somebody who is uh, who sees that as a very um, high calling um, to help facilitate discussions with people. And and you know, even if I listen through, you know, what you say, well, you know, you got into law, then get into these videos as well, and it's all driven by this idea of saying, well, look, guys, let's let's talk about these ideas, let's talk about the facts, let's. Can't we all just get along, you know? And so kind of to see where you're at now seems like it's just kind of the, the, the next stage in, in evolution of where that's gone. But this is a long way of me getting around to the point of saying, I, I want to talk about this journey then of specifically getting to the point of saying, okay, so now, now I'm a YouTuber and, uh, you know, I'm doing these these um, lore vlogs, these vlogs uh, that, are, that are kind of taken off as well. Tell me about a little bit about your internal journey with that as well. Like it sounds like you've got a, a pretty strong internal compass and an ability to be aware of yourself and how you're feeling, and then being able to say, "Okay, what does this mean for me?" and "How am I going to live my life as a result?" Uh, so we're getting a bit existential on it now, but I'd just love to hear a little bit about your your journey, I guess, internally through this as well and how it's taken you to where you are now.
1: So, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll preface it by saying that I I don't think. It's not that I haven't always been able to um, empathize at all. And there's mm. no, but I think, that, I think one of my fundamental, it's might even be a, an impediment is being too empathetic. Mm. Uh, even, even when I shouldn't be, but I yeah. haven't always been like, let's have a discussion and agree to disagree. Yeah, sure. sure. When I, when I was 16 to 24. I, mean, I remember going to a house party and, and getting into an argument with like five other people about one of the litmus test issues. And right. I, I don't have the same opinion that today that I had then like life, Changes you, but I remember thinking, like, I remember thinking on the one hand, why are they taking it so personally? I just want, you know, I just want to have the discussion. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I remember thinking, like, yeah, we're never, we're never going to get the other to agree, and we're actually not even at a point right now where the other either is listening to the other with the uh, genuine intent to understand. Right now, it's just an argument. And back then, I don't think I was able to either. Either I was unable to identify it, or I was unable to react accordingly. But oh, I was a remember I mean, I'm the youngest of five kids. We used to have dinner time debates where we would fight tooth and nail. All which right. might be why I don't personalize that type of um, sure. disagreement as much as others do. But it's only been recently where, like, where you know, the the, the seeing what happens when that's the the spirit of discourse. You see where mm. it goes. It goes to the point where like, you know, neighbors neighbors have different. Uh, I guess it's always been this way. Like neighbors have different. Uh, what are those things called? They put in the ground that indicate their support for a, a presidential candidate. What are those things called? Uh,
0: oh uh, yeah, um, not
1: banners. They're called um, billboards. 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 So, there you so, go. Yeah, I, I can imagine. You know, back in Vietnam, when the issue was so divisive that people mm. couldn't talk to each other because they they just disagreed on that issue. Um, but like it, it, it goes bad places. Uh, yeah. And but but my the, the empathy the, the empathy I've always had a problem with empathy because I like. I, I feel bad for people who don't even feel bad for what they're doing. And like classic example, I mean, yeah. I got a really funny one, but uh, I'll, I'll say in a second, uh, the Jesse Smollett story. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's, it's very easy, especially in the era of like a, um, um, anonymous social media, you're you know, you, you typing on a keyboard. It's very easy to say the most hurtful things to, to you know, terrible things to, about Jesse Smollett. There is, I mean, I'm not saying this to seem more, uh, sympathetic or just seem like a nice guy. There's a part of me that feels terrible for Jussie Smollett. Like right. I, I can feel what it's like to have gotten yourself so far into a hole that you're suffocating under the, the consequences of your own actions, and there's it, it feels like there's no way to get out but to literally convince yourself that you, you that you that you did nothing wrong or that you're the victim. Like to literally change your own thought pattern. To convince yourself that you never lied, or that, and I and I can feel it. Like, I almost feel bad for him. Um, mm. So, and in dealing with that, like, yeah, you know, I think it's terrible what he did. I mean, I think it's terrible. There's no but. It's just it's terrible. It's objectively terrible. It's just. But the, you know, the 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 flip side is that there's still a part of me that feels bad for everybody for yeah. the consequences of their own actions, which you know sort of prevents someone from just jumping on this this hashtag cancel cancel uh, bandwagon which is people will suffer the consequences of their own actions without everyone having to mob up on them and, and make yeah. it even worse. Um,
0: and, and look, as, as, and as true as that is, if I'm able to push back a little on your own uh, self-analysis there too, like I don't, I don't think your channel though would be what it is if you didn't have that. Um, I think a big part of what you bring to it, and, and this is why, again, I, I wanted to get into a little bit more of your story to you know, what, what your internal compass was like that, that brought you to here too, because, I, I mean, I know what it's like, too, to go through different points in your life saying, man, life would be so much easier if I wasn't the way that I was. Uh, and and people can apply that in all sorts of different ways. Um, there are those who don't have that empathy and, you know, they do really well, say, career-wise, but then their relationships break down because they don't connect or understand other people's feelings as much as well. So I say all that to say that what I love about this, this journey for you is that it, it does seem to be like a really... Um, I, I hesitate to say ideal, but I will ideal a uh, combination of the, the journey of being on professionally, but then also that sense of going, yeah, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm an empathetic person who cares about other people. And so uh, what is an expression of this interest that I have that can also be as beneficial to the, the biggest number of people that it could be. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a liability at all, man. So, you know,
1: well, yeah, I so see the, the only reason it would be a liability is, it's very easy to gain a following by being polarizing because right. you know right. yeah. if you piss off one half, you're you're encouraging the other. So at least sure. you're going to make up for the loss somewhere. But <laughs> typically, you, you don't lose people who are not following you, but you do gain people who now see that you're on you're one of them.
0: Yeah, which is why, yeah, like, is sure. which
1: is one thing that drives me ballistic about uh, you know Hollywood becoming political or Hollywood actors becoming political is it, or or anyone who's who did not make a name. In politics, turn into politics, and I don't, I'm not using the term social relevance. It's just such an easy way to increase one half of your following is mm-hmm. by appealing to that that base. Uh, and the way people do it is is um, uh, it, it, the way that people do it is never unifying. It's like I, I, I listen to everybody on. I mean, I listen to right wing uh, guys on YouTube. I listen to left wing, the Young Turks. I, I listen to both sides. Just to, I like to know even what mm-hmm. people who I disagree with are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it would be so much easier to grow a following just to get de- to get polarizing and say, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm, I, I'll go right-wing and I know that I'm going to pick up a ton of, you know, I'll pick up the, uh, who are the guys? They're like, what's his name? The actor, James Woods. You know, oh, I'll, right, I'll yeah. yeah. his network and, and pick up all of his followers because people love to follow people who think like them or they mm-hmm. even like to follow people who, they, who don't think like them so they can uh, post ugly comments. But it is easy to it's easy to grow faster by being polarizing and just doubling up on a base as yeah. opposed to, just, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to grow like that. I never really even wanted to deal with politics, which I still don't think I'm doing, it, but I, I never want to be political. Like here's what I think. And here's why yeah. I'm going to rail against the left for the next two years. Or here's why I'm going to rail against Trump for the next few years. I mean, it's just, let's go topic by topic and let's yeah. do like a 360, not just a 360 in fact, but a 360 spiritually. Um, yeah. And, and, and at least let people come to their conclusions. I'm sure, you know, people are going to watch the Jussie Smollett. It's going to be very hard to watch those Jussie Smollett videos and come to a conclusion other than he's getting what he deserves and it was corruption in the first place. But right. at least now people are going to have a more in-depth analysis of the actual facts behind it. There will be no shortage of other people for the spin or for the politics or for the inflammatory uh, rhetoric. Other people can do that. Um, yeah. But, and there's no way that someone's going to watch it without coming to their own conclusions, but okay, but they'll come to their own conclusions. They don't really need me to push them. And uh, there's enough people doing that already that maybe I'll just find a niche somewhere in the sure. middle. Sure. It, it, I don't think it'll ever be quite as big or it won't grow quite as fast as just go picking one side or the other and, and garnering that as a base. But I never wanted to do that, anyhow.
0: It's like, uh, yeah, and 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 again, to touch on that too, right? You know, again, you're saying you know you never really wanted that kind of thing, you know, anyway. So for for you, in terms of what does motivate you, I suppose you know, again, if you if you do do that, that that classic case of looking back and then up until now as well, what you know would you be able to identify? You know, what is the the, the drive that is, has caused you to make, you know, to to build the life you've got now to the point where you literally go, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional. Professional YouTuber, you know, uh, and and mediator, and
1: to even refer to myself as a YouTuber because I think it's like sure. coming from the practice of law where everything is everything is sort of stature, everything is like what yeah. office you have, what floor are you on, and sure. what suit you're, what make is what makes sorry, what brand is your suit? Um, it's, it, it felt like I don't want to these are my personal issues. It felt yep. like a, it felt like a demotion. It almost felt embarrassing, or you know, it felt. Yeah, Like I, I I'm, not, I'm in Montreal. It's a small community. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that I'm a lawyer. When yeah. you tell people that you're making YouTube videos, they don't understand what it means. But they also think, okay, you, you, so you couldn't cut it as a lawyer, and now you're making YouTube videos. It feels like a demotion. Um, but that is, and it, you know, took me five, six years to realize that is something internal to me. Other, you know, people. Some people find it interesting. Other people will look down on it. As you know, I can imagine some of my colleagues who are now senior partners making. Two hundred thousand a year they're like yeah dude dave's making uh, youtube videos and <laughs> if, if, if they it may but again it's like it, i think in some respect it's, it's actually my own insecurities projecting onto them as to how they view me and they probably or maybe don't even feel that way at all And if they do i, I mean again I, I don't care it's not going to change my life the um but um now what was I saying? I lost I lost my train of thought. This this is where I have a short attention span. I forget <laughs> what I was doing, <laughs> what I was saying. Um, no, but that's it. It's like it, 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 oh, it took me. It, it did take me a while to be able to actually say with confidence in the YouTube videos. I'm I'm a litigator turned YouTuber. I yeah. I don't I don't do litigation anymore. People call me up every time I get a cold call. It reminds me of why I don't want to do litigation ever again. People start talking to me about their problems, and it's not. It's not that I don't want to listen to people's problems. I, I love talking to people's problems and talking about people with their problems. It's yeah. that, it's this, it's this psychological uh, framework. It's, it's almost like it's a psychological template that people adopt when they get into litigation. They're right, everyone, the other person's wrong. The other person's bad faith, they're of good faith. And it's always the same sort of, it plays out the same way. The, the other one, you've been watching my video, so you know my other favorite quote, Mark Twain, uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it tends to rhyme. Like. Right. All of these losses when people are involved in litigation the the template rhymes to the everyone else who's involved in a similar circumstance it's uh-huh. not identical the facts are different but the the overall spiritual framework is very much the same uh, everyone becomes defensive everybody everyone's out to get them they don't trust anybody they don't even trust their lawyers and it's like every time i get that call i just i'm it, i i it i'm relieved to say i can't i can't get myself emotionally involved in in your lawsuit for the next five years. Um, I'll give you a number of a good lawyer who can do it. My my other problem talking about empathy is, um, you know, they say like the best doctors have to be able to treat their patients like, like, like not, not corpses because they have to be alive, but they have to treat them (laughs) like patients, like objects. And you can't operate on your own son because, um, because it'll compromise the way you're able to do your job. And they say the same thing about lawyers. And my problem is that my client's problems became my own personal problems, you know, emotionally. Um, yeah. And to the point, like, you know, it, th- their problems kept me up at night where I talked to the Lord, it's like, how do you sleep? Like, you, you, you're, you have clients with serious problems. And I think you just, you have to cut that off and you have to, you have to not let yourself get involved with that. And I just, I just couldn't, I, I, I would personalize it too much just because I would be, I think, too empathetic to, to, to be able to dissociate their problems from my own. And now, listen, when people call me up and they start getting into their problems, like, I can feel their pain, um, but if I, you know, if I, and I and I could be value added to resolving their pain in another way, but I, I don't want to be value. I don't want to be contributive to their pain by embarking them on a three-year process of litigation that I just think is going to bring more pain than 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 good. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Wow. And that was, that was amazing stuff, man. I, I, I really, I don't know. It was, that was a pleasure to listen to. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, no. no I'm first. empathetic in that respect. But then, you know, when my dog, we got our dog fixed two weeks ago, three oh, weeks sure. ago, I was in the operation room looking at the vet. Like I was watching the, the doctor make the <laughs> on his scrotum, not on the scrotum, on his belly and take out yeah. his, his testicles. I mean, yeah. when it comes to certain things, I, I, <laughs> I can set aside my empathy because I'm just fascinated by the process, even if it's my own dog. But yeah. um, these emotional things, like, yeah, I, I, I genuinely felt my client's problems or frustrations. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, it was, it it, 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 it took a toll. I never had a, it, I never had a, 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 like a clear break. It was just like a gradual wearing down where like, I, I just, I, if I do this in 10 years, I'll have a heart yeah. attack. I just
0: can't do it. Right. Yeah. Tell you what, man, I, I actually, there's something I've developed recently, which I use on myself, um, kind of along that, that 10 year thing, but I use a longer time frame. Um, I call it the 30 year rule. And it's just that if, I, if I'm doing a particular thing and, you know, when you're talking to somebody and, and they're saying, oh, no, no, but this is fine. This is good. But you, you're getting that tone like I just did there. You're like, going, your, your heart's not in this. You don't really, you know, believe what you're telling me. And then, uh, you know, I found myself doing that as well. And the thing that I do now is to say, I said, okay, well, hang on a minute. Let's imagine that I'm doing this thing for the next 30 years. What's my immediate reaction when I say, okay, you have to do this for 30 years. Go. And if I catch myself going like, no, like, whoa, then there's probably something like right now, there's something right now that I can deal with. I either got to have a conversation, I got to take a course of action, I got to make a bit of a plan, like whatever it might be. But ignoring that is the kind of thing that I think gets you to 50, 60, 70, whatever or oh, in some cases, 20 or 30, you know, depending on how long you've been fighting it, that we end up just not the person we want to be.
1: It's it's very it's it's really funny because so you 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 say you, you when you said the thirty year plan or the thirty year thought yeah and my my immediate reaction is because I'm a total neurotic hypochondriac and I think I'm dying at every moment my <laughs> my, my, my my reflex is if I die tomorrow um, right you know, then what and, and mm. the funny thing is these are both we're describing the exact same thing actually it's like yeah. it's the yeah. like if I die tomorrow am I going to be happy that I won that motion I mean. Now let me rephrase because that'll be un, that'll be demeaning to the to the practice. But if I die tomorrow, is my is my legacy? Is what you know? Is my my lasting imprint on this earth going to be the last judgment that I got in court for the mm. neighbor who cut down their neighbor's tree? Um, mm. And same, like in thirty years, if that's if that's my mark on this earth, how am I going to feel about that? So yeah. you know, I so said like if I die tomorrow, it, it would the last thing I'd done would be it, it's it's superficial. In a way, and I know, and I totally, agree, I totally recognize that it's superficial. But would it be yeah. a judgment that I could that nobody's going to give a sweet bugger all about? Yeah, you know, in, in and even if they will, is it going to be a judgment on paper that people are going to be reading? I think this would drive people to go like the Supreme Court because the paper lasts longer. Sure. Or is it going to be the last video that I had that 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 in, that made people smile, laugh, and understand something a little better? Yeah. And I and I'm I'm reluctant to. Uh, It's gonna sound judgmental in that I think one is better than the other but and and there's no button It's not it's just that one makes me happy. The other one doesn't and really the only question at the end of the day is For the for the I'm not gonna I don't want to die tomorrow and I do plan on living another 40 years It it, is what is making me happy today going to be sustainable for the next 10 years 20 years or for a lifetime like Mm. that's the other thing about money. It's not money, but you have to be building a a, a business or you're building a profession. You're building something because you're not just, you know, meandering through life. Um, and is what I'm building going to be sustainable? Everybody knows building a law practice is sustainable. It is what it is. It's tangible. It has a name. It's got, you know, it's got accounting software. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Is this this sustainable? Is this even going to be around in 10 years? And if it's not, is what I'm doing now going to be, uh, transformable or sort of, um, uh, applicable to whatever the platform is whatever the whatever the form is sure. in 10 years
0: sure sure well look i mean and, and i think it's probably you know an area that we would maybe use different terms to describe it but i think a, a value that we both share in that is that um there's that that sense of maybe it's that Ikagi kind of idea as well right that you go um I've, I've worked with a lot of people in terms of personal development in a kind of as a catch-all kind of term, personal development, um, and realize that, you know, you really need to have, you know, there are, there are some people who are driven primarily just by, you know, what, what fulfills me. And they just, they, they only start with that kind of space, you know, what makes me happy, what makes me sad. Um, and I learned that if I just followed that light, then I would go all over the place because, you know, even some things that I like one day, I don't like the next day, uh, or something like that. Um, And yet, I found that if that was also connected to, you know, but how can I contribute to something that's bigger than than me? Uh, Because just just being happy is is a it's like chasing the rainbow, you know. Um, It's it's not enough. At least at least I find that. And that when I started to think, okay, I've got interests and 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 uh, you know uh, skills and talents and whatever that I want to express, and yet also I want to find a way of contributing with that when I combine those two things together, that's part of what led to me starting a podcast. It's part of what, um, you know, is, is part of my, my profession outside of this as well. And even in some broadcasting um, opportunities I've got now because of that too. But that's, I guess what I see is kind of like a kindred moment here too, for that, that was a, seems like a similar thing for you. Well,
1: it's, it's, you know, it's amazing because you, the, listening to your talk, it's like it, the pursuit of what makes me happy on a momentary discrete basis is not necessarily going to make you happy on on the long term yeah. project life. And, yeah. and what I've realized, like, I, I'm I'm conflicted in two things. I, I do want to reach and communicate people. I yeah. also, you know, in the practice of law, have seen what people are capable of. And right. so it's always it's sort of like mutually conflicting forces. But yeah, the the thing about YouTube is it's you you you. What I've realized at least is I am happier. And I get fulfillment out of reaching people and communicating with people. And I, I can't see if I'm bringing people together or not, but like just having an influence on, on a community and finding that community, which is like, which is the, thing, the beautiful thing about podcasts. It's the beautiful thing about, about communications. I mean, in the, in the literal sense is you're communicating, you're reaching people, you're touching people. And are you doing it in a way that, is you're doing it in a way that's going to make them and society better, or are you doing it in a way like um, pranks on your pranks on your girlfriend, where people laugh and, and <laughs> laugh at the stupidity and then get nothing out of it, and also maybe get bad influences out of it? Um, yeah. And then you know, I listen to a few of your podcasts. It is, uh, and it's a it's a good message. And the thing I found it's 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 similar to my to my underlying objective and, and purpose in life now, which is. Show 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 the world some people things. Show the world things that they might not have seen. Make them understand a little better. And if uh, if it's if it's the kid in high school, I, mean, I live I live down the street from a high school, and one kid says, "I love your law videos." I think like, Jesus. I mean, it, that was out of the blue, I, and it felt yeah. good in a weird world where where we have this potential through a microphone and through the internet to just to reach people. And if you you can use it for good, or you can use it for bad.
0: I can't think of a more perfect note to wrap up this conversation on Viva. That was, yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for people who have been listening and, and enjoyed this conversation as well, and, and hopefully I've, I've talked up uh, talked up Viva's videos enough in this as well. Incidentally, what just as a side note to this as well, what made you decide to go? Because I know your real name's David. People might've yeah. picked that up already. What made you decide to go with Viva as the handle? It was
1: totally random. So my last name is Freiheit, which is German for freedom, Freiheit. Yeah. Little little tidbit of information. Fly is free, and height is the state of. So when you okay. have Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit is warmth, and height is the state of warmth. So they use it to oh. measure temperature. So high okay. height is freedom. Um, and I don't remember. I, I I was one day I was thinking like, what do I call my channel? Because I this was like four years ago. And I was like, oh god, that banner. I actually have to put something in there other than like the blue D. I was yeah, like, Right. Oh, the Viva fry live free or die. And then. uh, and then I wow. said that to my family, and they, yeah, maybe you, you want to skip the live for your die. You, you might get sued by New Hampshire. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the license plate in New Hampshire. And oh, okay. uh, No need to. Oh, there's also no need just to even have a negative, a negative like you know it's freedom or death type thing. So yep. I went with Viva Fry, and um, you know I got not. It was random. It, it's totally. Um, uh, there's no relation to the channel and people think yeah. it's sometimes think it says Vivian or they think I'm a, I'm a woman named Viva um, <laughs> and it's caused some problems in terms of branding but I'm a stubborn uh, I'm a stubborn kid and that was like that was the baby that the way it was born and I'm, yeah. I'm not changing it <laughs> so yeah, I love it Viva, it. Viva which was life and fly which is free so live free and then I just skipped the uh, or die part <laughs> <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. It's live free and die. So listen,
0: hopefully we live free. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's probably better advice just to focus on living. The, the, the living part's probably healthier for, for, for most people long-term as a strategy. <laughs> that, that probably works. Hey, look, so, so uh, I know I've uh, done a bit of a, um, uh, a what's the word, um, directed people towards your channel and stuff as well, but um, probably would be great for them to hear from you now as well. If, if people want to follow you, I guess not just on YouTube and such as well, what other platforms are you active on? How can they keep tabs on what you're doing?
1: YouTube is my main one, but uh, the dogs have been very good. I just heard one bark. (laughs) No, YouTube is my main one. I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think Twitter is the only one where I have the Viva Fry because I couldn't get Viva Fry. Uh, But I mean, I'm on those, uh, not out of necessity, but I'm not too active on those. Twitter makes me unhappy to
0: to look at. It seems to make everybody unhappy. So I think, yeah, you're not alone in that. (laughs) It's just just terrible.
1: And the thing is, I find myself,
0: just being a jerk, not a jerk, but like I find that the only things I
1: post on Twitter tend to be like complaints and not actual. Yeah, right. like I, I post my videos there, but the other day I posted something about my 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 wireless carrier charging me 15 cents for inadvertently texting a landline, and I think oh you guys you really shouldn't do this, and then I felt like that like guy using Twitter to complain, so I, I deleted <laughs> right. the tweet. Um So yeah, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Instagram is the nice stuff. It's nice photography, short videos, but mostly mm-hmm. YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all under all under Viva Fry. Viva Fry. V-I-V-A-F-R-E-I. Brilliant. Viva Fry, it has been a pleasure. I would happily get up at 3 o'clock in the morning again to talk to you.
1: (laughs) Well, I I don't think I would ever happily get up at 3 in the morning, but...
0: (laughs) Well, to, I look, and, and to, I guess to, to wrap up on a thought we've talked about before, I actually, because I told a friend I was going to be doing this um, just yesterday. I was like, oh, geez, man, that sucks. And I said, you know what? If I was doing this every day of my life, then yeah, maybe that would be a drag. I said, but for me, I guess, even though I am living the, the Viva Frey kind of life, uh, <laughs> that the fact that I can make this choice to, to get up, to talk to somebody on the opposite side of the world and, and have the kind of conversation that we've had, um, I find it probably the most rewarding thing um, that I could imagine doing. So. Ooh.
1: It's surreal. It's like, it's like another layer to the matrix. Right? It, it seems inconceivable that we can be literally on opposite sides of the earth communicating with no delay seeing each other in sharp image. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it, yeah. it's beautiful. The world is in a great many respects, beautiful. And the technology that some people use, you know, mm. to, to, to for not such nice purposes can have uh, the most tremendous, most tremendous benefit imaginable. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, they couldn't couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Viva Fry, you are a treasure and we will keep you on the internet. If anyone ever asks not to, you send them my way and I'll sort them out. Uh but, but I want to thank uh, everybody for listening as well thank you for choosing to uh take we were only going to talk for an hour and then we just kind of got carried away and like, eh, i'm not going to stop this uh but thank you for for listening i really do appreciate that and um at this point as well uh don't forget too that you can always uh, you know share and subscribe to uh, my channel if you go to the andrew curtis show um, via facebook facebook.com slash the andrew curtis show that's where i post uh, all these episodes um, and also different articles on things as well that um, i opine upon um also via soundcloud and itunes um and if you want to get in touch with me as well you can do it via the facebook page or you can send me an email send it to the andrew curtis show at gmail.com would love to hear what you thought of this episode and i hope that you can live uh, live, a, live a more full and for um an inspired life based on what you've heard today as well